CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. From the coasts of Vancouver, Nova Scotia, to the coast of Halifax, British Columbia, coming at you live from the great city of Winnipeg, Alberta. Yes, just like A.J. Cole, apparently, I also don't know my Canadian geography, but nonetheless... We're here to talk about football on the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Mike is back this week. I'm Ryan Coop. Michael Garrell is here. Mike, how's it going? Well, I was going to ask you if you knew about the show with Canadian, but you already answered that. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to be back. Yes. Um, before we get talking about some CFL stuff, uh, we're going to do mid-season reward, uh, awards because every team has now played nine games. Um, we got to talk about the NFL game real quick here. That was, that was played at IG field Thursday night. Um, what, what do you have to say about this game? What, what, where do we begin? Uh, a game that not many tickets were sold because the prices were through the roof. Um, you then have an issue with the field because they moved the goalposts to accommodate the game. So there's a hole or a patch of rough turf that they spend 20 minutes deliberating over and then decide to play on an 80-yard field. You then have the Green Bay Packers decide that they don't want their starters to play in these conditions, so they rest all of them. What a disaster, Mike. Well, um... Use a football terminology and a football slogan and sorry for sounding so punny, but this game was a fun parade from the start. Nice one, nice. Um, and it started with announcing those great top light ticket prices for this game. Then the promoter coming out and saying, "We promise that all of our." teams that are coming will play their front end dies for a little bit because week three is predominantly the week where a lot of starters in the NFL play the vast majority of the game to get ready for the season. And personally, I was supposed to go to the NFL game, bought at the pricing immediately. Um, in fact, I went online and looked Seven hours to the south of here, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I could sit on the 50-yard line for $17 U.S. And I sit and look at the pricing for midfield here. I don't even know what it was. I don't even want to know, but it was something stupid. It's too stupid high. And... So this was a real bad mistake right from the get-go. The other part of it that I don't understand, like the other side of this is, apparently the NFL, the Green Bay Packers, the Oakland Raiders, and the Players Association all signed off on the field the day before. So did somebody alter that field overnight, highly unlikely? Or did they just really get cold feet the day of the game and were looking for an excuse? 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. We have this one kind of specialty game played in a stadium. It's not in this NFL game Thursday night. Then we have another one with the touchdown Atlantic CFL game uh, that took place on Sunday in Moncton, which, boy, tale of two different games. You look at this NFL game that was a disaster, everything surrounding it from the start. And you look at that touchdown Atlantic, you got a decent number of people out there. And boy, did they get a show in that Montreal-Toronto game. And we're going to talk about that a little later. But first, we're going to talk about uh, some CFL awards here. Uh, No guest interview this episode of the podcast. Uh, Mike was back for the full episode this week. We want to touch on midseason awards. And we had a very entertaining week of CFL football with lots to talk about. So, Mike, before we get into talking about everything from this past week, let's get into talking, giving out some midseason awards. Um, First of all, halfway through the season... Uh, go back to the predictions you made in the preseason. Uh, how do you feel about uh, where things are at based on how you predicted them to be? Well, I mean, I think we predicted the West to be very competitive. I think the order we done a little bit wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, that to say the least. <laughs> uh, the East a little bit more. I would I want to say as expected. Uh, on my part, I can't even remember, but I know. I know I had a Hamilton Winnipeg great top. Yeah, if I can recall, we both had Hamilton and Montreal top two in the East. I had uh, Toronto in third. Yeah, we had Ottawa in third. So, yeah. Um, Whereas out West, I know I had Winnipeg in first. Um, I think Edmonton second, BC third, Calgary fourth, Saskatchewan fifth. Which sounds about hey, right. My big revelation out West was Calgary in fourth place. In the crossover spot, we're halfway through the season. Calgary is in fourth place in the crossover spot, scheduled to play Montreal in a crossover game if it started today. So I'm calling my preseason picks a success. What I'm not calling a success is putting the BC Lions at third place because, oh boy. And here's what I think is more alarming as a CFL fan halfway through. Um... There's only two quarterbacks that have played every game and started every game that have supposed to start every game. I mean, who in their right mind would have said that seven out of nine quarterbacks would be injured at some point during the year? You know, I'm not even surprised anymore with the way things have gone in the last couple of years. But again, it, it's it, it's very interesting the fact that, uh, you know, the Bombers don't have Matt Nettles, uh, Calgary, I mean... If you would have told me Calgary would be, what are they now, 5-4? and four? And they would have had to do the large part of that without Bowley by Metro, I would have said, um, okay. But just to me, to me how these teams look very average, hello Hamilton, hello Winnipeg, and hello Calgary. Although Calgary, I think, is the exception of those three teams that I just mentioned. And then you have Saskatchewan come out of nowhere. And right. That's the biggest positive surprise to me from what we predicted preseason. You and I, let's be real, we didn't give Saskatchewan a chance. We thought the offense was going to be same old, same old that we saw from them last season. Defense, there's no way they were going to carry but the why, team. Why did we make that prediction? Because we didn't believe that Kalaos could be healthy enough. We didn't believe that they had a quarterback behind them to, to uh, help them. And we also, to be fair, didn't believe in Stephen McAdoo's system as offensive coordinator, which, to his credit, with the, with the team he's has in front of him, it's put together an excellent offensive game well, plan. Well, to quote somebody out of Regina, in the preseason, Stephen McAdoo 
and even credited into an extent. So we're not going to come out hacking and chatting. That's just not our team. What have they done the last, you know, seven weeks while well, they've been on this ridiculous win streak? Hacking and chatting and some defense and some special teams, and and they're right there. Um, midway point of the season, uh, we had Grey Cup picks originally. You had Hamilton and Winnipeg. Who did you have winning that? I had win. I feel like you might have had You had Winnipeg beating Hamilton. I had Edmonton beating Hamilton for the Grey Cup. Uh, Do you feel confident with that pick still? Or do you want to make a changed mid-season prediction? I still think despite the turbulence and the drama, and we'll we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on, um, I I still think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have the pieces to stay in first place. And when those pieces get healthy, we'll only get better. Um. I had Edmonton and Hamilton. I'm going to go way off the board from what I said preseason at this point. And uh, both those teams I do not have making the Grey Cup any longer. I have them both playing in the East Division in the playoffs because I think Edmonton will be the crossover team the way things are going for them. But your pick would be wrong then, Ryan, and that would be a shame. Uh, yeah, but new pre- mid-season prediction for the Grey Cup. What else happens when we go to Calgary? Ten-year reunion, Montreal, Saskatchewan, in the Grey Cup in Calgary. Okay. Montreal Alouettes win in the Grey Cup in 2019. Well, it's funny. I think I sent this to you yesterday. The last three or four times the Grey Cup has been in Calgary, it's involved the Montreal Alouettes. Maybe it will again this year. Maybe, maybe they knew something about firing their coach before week one. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what Montreal's thinking? Uh, let's get into talking about some CFL mid-season awards. Uh, we'll go through kind of all of the ones the CFL regularly gives out, and then we have a couple other ones that uh, we'll touch on as well. Uh, so let's start at the obvious place, the uh, most outstanding player nominee. Uh, who do you have in the East and the West Division? I have uh, Simone Lawrence, Audis for the Hamilton Tiger Chats. And out west, I have Perdot. You have you have him on your monitor. Uh, Trevor Harris. Trevor Harris. That's right. Pardon me. I'm a bit under the weather, so my memory isn't the greatest right now for whatever reason. But Trevor Harris over Andrew Harris, and I'll just put this disclaimer out there. That was my nominee before all this happened uh, today with Mr. Harris, which we'll get into later on as well. Um. To me, I have Trevor Harris with you out west. I mean, Andrew Harris is having a career year, but Trevor Harris is absolutely on fire. I think he's on pace for something like 6,000, 7,000 yards this season. But it strikes me how if there's any team, just we talked about this real quick. You know, you said Saskatchewan goes to the to the Grey Cup. If Edmonton can somehow fits their snake-bitten red zone offense... I think we're having a completely different conversation, and your preseason pick may actually be right. Absolutely. I mean, Trevor Harris has on the season, just looking at his stats here, 14 touchdowns passing to three interceptions. He's and also, that offensive line has protected him reasonably well. He's also added six touchdowns on the ground, which is unconventional for Trevor Harris. Uh, up until this game against Winnipeg this week, he'd only been sacked three times all season. Um only three interceptions already at almost 3,500 yards, and he's only halfway through the season. So, I mean, Trevor Harris on pace for 7,000 yards, which 
I heard this on another one of the uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network shows. I, I, I think it might have been the Eskimo Empire podcast, which makes sense because they talk Eskimos. Um, Trevor Harris pot on pace for the uh, third best yardage all time out of quarterbacks or something like that for a single season. I mean, how can you not give your MOP nominee to this guy? It's very interesting, for, for sure. Um, um, out East, you had Simone Lawrence as your MOP nominee. I've been going back and forth and back and forth. Um, you know what? I'm going to give it to another quarterback that I think has turned around his team uh, tenfold. Uh, his stats, as of right now, there may be other options, but I, I, I'm making this pick based on the progression I've seen. Vernon Adams Jr. has turned things around for this Montreal to the point where I'm considering Montreal one of the best offenses in the league. Like, I, I will take players in Montreal's offense on fantasy in almost any given week now based on what Vernon Adams has done both on the ground, through the air. He started Here's out... The thing. Vernon Adams is something like 7-2 and two with the Alouette starter, if you factor in yesterday. All the guy does is win. His development just came a little slow. He was bouncing around uh, from team to team. And, you know, how BC wishes they would have kept him, but I know they have Mike Riley right now. But, you know, decisions are hindsight being 2020. But the other thing to me is just how slow he started yesterday. And then it was like the second quarter, and then, oh, the game slowed down, the light bulb went on, and we saw Vernon Adams get Eugene Lewis involved. We saw Vernon Adams, you know, that razzle-dazzle flea flicker to Quan Bray yesterday was probably the play of the year in the CFL, I mean. I loved it. You, you can make, you, uh, I'm with you. I, I think Hamilton needs to be fearful about what's to come. I, as a man of linguistics, I have to say uh, that was quite the uh, trick play from big play VA to Quan Bray touchdown payday. Wasn't there a reverse in there, too, before the actual fleet flicker? There was, like, two reverses in there. The double reverse and fleet flicker, and how they coordinate all that, right? It's one thing to, you know, coordinate a sweep, right, when they time and data come across the formation, but everything has to go right, and then don't even forget, people forget about this. It's one thing to make the front of the play work. It's another to make the head of a play in the back there. Right. And Quan Bray, I mean. I love the guy. I picked him in fantasy every week since he's been in the lineup. And maybe a rookie of the year nominee. Who knows? Maybe we'll get into that shortly. Uh, Defensive player of the year. Well, given that you have Simone Lawrence as an MOP nominee, I presume he's your East nominee for defensive player. Otherwise, there's some backwards logic there. Uh, What... Why why are you so high on Simone Lawrence? I'm high because every I'm high on him. <laughs> Man alive, I didn't come I'm high on him because the Wow. Every Spending defense too much time with Deron Carter over there, Mike? No. No, no, no. Um anyway, but I'm so high on him because every defense needs a leader and there's nobody to lead that pass rush. Right now, as a group, then Simone Lawrence. And I know he missed two games for a, for a hit on Talaros, and, and that was all granted. But he's one of the many guys that kind of strike fear into a lot of what Hamilton D-line did this season. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll go to that Hamilton D-line for my East nominee. I'm going to Garrett Davis. This is a guy that came over from Calgary. 
uh, in the offseason. He's done nothing but lead that defensive line. Had another couple sacks this week. He's got eight on the year. That's tied with Dylan Wynn, another noticeable potential nominee from the tie cat. Yeah, he's done seven shots in the last four games or something. Something like that. And Willie Jefferson. Uh, so they're tied behind Charleston Hughes in the sack race in the CFL. And, I mean, Hamilton's defense, like their offense hasn't looked that great the last couple of weeks under Dane Evans, but the defense has led the Thai Cats to many wins because they are shutting down teams. So I hate to make the comparison, but I would compare Hamilton the last couple of weeks to Saskatchewan of last year. Yeah, I wouldn't go quite that far. I think Dane Evans has been a bit better. Of a He's a better option, but, I mean, he didn't do overly much in the last game. Right. At least what would make me, you know, oh, pop off the page and, and give me some kind of confidence. Yeah, if you win a game but what, by only scoring 13 points, your defense has to have had. And the a one with the game. the one touchdown they dropped was a short field, and I'm not even convinced they were in the end zone on that scramble. But I mean, you're not gonna overturn plays like that at the goal line. Uh, Western nominees. Uh, I, this guy wouldn't have been my nominee a couple of weeks ago. Um, I I would have actually gone down the same path you went, and I'll let you give yours in a second here. But the way he's played in the last couple of weeks, especially the game uh, between the Bombers and the Eskimos this week. Give it to Willie Jefferson. This guy is a monster. You know, he was on the stats sheet Friday night as a defensive player, as a punter uh, from kicking the ball 25 yards into the end zone for the Rouge after the fumble, and as a kick returner for his play in making sure the Bombers recover the onside kick. Uh, in recent weeks, he's had a ton of sacks. You know, I mentioned Trevor Harris sacked only three times. Willie Jefferson got to him three times. He had an interception a couple weeks ago, a big one there. He's had a couple fumble recoveries. He's tied for the second in the league in sacks. Willie Jefferson is doing everything right now, and I can only imagine it's going to get better as he gets set to face the Riders the next two weeks. It's a very interesting scenario, and as Willie said, Come on down to Winnipeg. Absolutely. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, I think Willie Jefferson did say something to the effect of, uh, he just said to Jeff Hamilton at Free Friday, he said, I round into form now and really start to pick up my game. So, hey, I'll tell you what, if you're a Bomber fan, the defense and anchored by Willie Jefferson among others, there's no better time than the present to make that happen. Uh, who's your defensive nominee? My defensive nominee, I'm going to go to Saskatchewan. He's been a little quiet the last couple of games because they haven't exactly picked up uh, the same amount of sacks as they did to, to at least start the year. But I'm going with Charlton Hughes, uh, big leader on that D line, especially with a lot of, uh, especially the likes of Mike Johnson and AC Leonard out for a while. I know Leonard came back this past week, but every defense needs an anchor. And uh, Charlton Hughes is one of those uh, guys for sure. And... Like, come on, man. He's 35. I mean, he, here's the thing, right? Didn't, like, that, that's past prime CFL age Didn't ca- Didn't Calgary let him go because they thought his age was a problem? Yeah. Didn't want to BC let go Andrew Harris because age was a problem? There's these 30-something CFL players, 30-something-year-old CFL players that uh, um, seem to defy being cut. Looks like there's a frog in the studio. Yeah, there is. Well, that's a first. Is that a grasshopper? Nope, that's a frog. Okay. So there's been this 
outside in the studio, there's been an infestation of grasshoppers the last number of weeks. So, huh. interesting. All right. Wildlife observations with Mike and Ryan. That's it. Podcast and it shifts to wildlife observation. No, no. Good night, everybody. Just kidding. Uh, speaking of wildlife observations, when it comes to CFL players in their natural habitat in the country of Canada, uh, let's talk about the most outstanding, most outstanding Canadian nominees. Do you like that segue? I thought that was pretty good. Pretty cool. All right. Um, we both have the same Western nominee, uh, Andrew Harris. I, I mean, he's on pace at the age of 32 for a career year. Uh, granted, that might be a bit in jeopardy if he has now, because he's missing two games due to a substance uh, issue. Which, um, Mike, you know, let's just, let, let's talk about that right now while we're at it, okay? Let, let's talk about the Andrew Harris thing very briefly. Uh, news coming out today, he's been suspended for two games for, uh, using a banned substance. Um, you know, if you read Trevor Harris, or sorry, Andrew Harris's statements, if you read Mike O'Shea's statements on the matter, like, I have no reason not to believe, and I 100% wholeheartedly believe Andrew Harris when he says that this was non-intentional. The way his response to the whole matter was very genuine. Uh, you know, a lot of talk in there about how important it is to be a role model to not only his daughter, but to people everywhere for him. The way he broke down, like, we've known Andrew Harris to be an incredibly hardworking, selfless guy. Um, I, I don't believe one bit the, uh, the news, uh, the side of things that Andrew Harris went and, uh, purposely used these substances. I do agree with the CFL's, uh, two-game suspension because by the book there was a banned substance. They have to go and suspend them to meet the consistency to try to find consistency in the rule. I I, I get that, but to me, uh, I I don't think it was on purpose. It's a very unfortunate situation, and um, well, I mean, he's most outstanding Canadian nominee. The Bombers are without him for the next two weeks. I'll say this: I am disappointed in Andrew Harris, but. That doesn't mean that it wasn't intentional. I mean, yes, I'm disappointed that our team doesn't have, you know, it's running back for the biggest two games of the schedule. It doesn't matter what the Bombers record is. But, you know, athletes are human. Humans make mistakes. And it seems to me he didn't know that the, uh, that the uh, substance was in the, uh, was in the, in the, in the supplement. And, you know, I mean, hindsight being 2020, he said that he said I probably should have checked it with the trainer and all that kind of stuff. But, but you know what? It's it's very unfortunate that people will. Um, and I'm not gonna mention names because I've seen uh, people from a certain fan base, and I'm thinking that people will know who I'm talking about that seem to rather relish that this happened today of all games and. You know, I just want to challenge everybody that, you know, one little isolated incident and it said they found a trace of said sub said substance um, with Andrew Harris. And, you know, to me, I, I, I think we should give this guy the benefit of a doubt given his track record. I don't think he intentionally did it. And the thing to me is, you know, he had one sample done in the off season last year. He had another one 
um, 10 days before it came clean and 10 days later it shows up. That, that tells me that, in my opinion anyway, that there was no ill intent. And I just wish people, and I know you're not going to change people's mind about, you know, there is a certain sideway of the population who are like, yeah, he his legacy is tarnished. I would just encourage people to not uh, jump to those conclusions, uh, particularly from one fan base in the CFL. Hey, uh, Mike, I turned back while you were speaking there, and uh, I think our pet frog went missing. I know where it is. Where'd it go? I... Behind the wall. Oh, that's why. I can't see it. <laughs> Lost frog, send help. <laughs> 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 SOS, right? Yep, there's the episode title. Uh, <laughs> uh, Eastern nominees. I have Lewis Ward. Uh, he, you know, he did miss field goal, ending his streak at 69, but he's only missed one all season long. Um, and, and I mean, he, Ottawa's offense ain't exactly putting up points, so Lewis Ward is tasked with doing just that, and I think he's done that uh, quite a bit. So. Lewis Ward gets my nominee for uh, my Eastern nominee for most outstanding Canadian. Uh, to me, that seems like the best option. Uh, Mike, who do you have as your West as your Eastern nominee for most outstanding Canadian? Then a Canadian from Montreal Alouettes, Henrik Mwamba. Uh, just a beast to the middle of that Hamilton defense. Montreal. Uh, middle of my Montreal defense and uh, one of the reasons why that defense has been able to be so consistent especially after having missed Taylor Loeffler as long as they have and they'll miss Taylor Loeffler for the rest of the season uh, most outstanding special teams player the year of the return you have to think some uh, return guys are gonna uh, end up on this list here so uh who do you have as your two nominees for special teams player of the year as of right now? Yeah, Ryan Lanford to me is giving BC a fair amount of good starting position despite not being with the with the team as long as he has and has really tried to reinvigorate the special teams for BC. And uh who's my other one? Lewis Ward. Uh oh yeah, Lewis Ward. Right, I forgot uh Lanford was in the West now. I'm used to think of it here as with Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, we discussed this all beforehand, so. Yeah. So the, uh, the street of, uh, Lewis Ward, terrific, what is it, 62? 69. 69. And, uh, he misses one, ironically enough. Probably one of the shorter ones during his street to 31. And, you know, it's not let that affect them and it started a nice one again. I don't know if anybody's counting, but. I think he's at six. The new street is on. Um, Rookie of the year. Uh, just, just to quantify, I think that does head into the NFL next year. Oh, I would agree. Uh, let's talk rookie of the year nominee uh, out east, out west. Uh, we didn't prep this one beforehand, yeah. but uh, who do you have, Mike, as your nominees? Well, um, for... Uh, I hate to do this on the fly because we didn't really talk about it. I haven't really thought about it, to, to be completely honest with you, but... Uh, for me out west, it would have to be Janarian Grant. I mean, he's had a couple of amazing returns and, and the last number of, uh, 
last number of weeks hasn't really had the return because they played them so differently. Um, but I mean, in, in a general sense, I mean, Janarian's been been not good of a guy for the Bombers, and some consideration, some consideration also given to Lucky Whitehead. Well, I don't think he's count as CFL rookie because of the time he played in the NFL. Um, but he's a rookie by. By our sure, let's go by our standards because we don't have it in front of us. He's a CFO rookie, so. Um, to me, if uh, we want to talk about uh my nominees, and um, I have no idea who I would do or to do all these. Maybe Frankie Williams or Shatir Ryan or. I don't think Frankie Williams is a rookie either. I don't know. I'm just picking hodgepodge here. Right. A um, um, couple guys I can think of. Um, one of them, he took a penalty this week that uh, may change my mind a little bit, but uh, and he's got a bit of a hot head lately, but Vontae Diggs uh, from the Edmonton Eskimos out west. Will um, he be in the lineup on Monday? That is a million-dollar question. I, I, I mean, Javon Santos-Knox was supposed to be come in, play that position for Edmonton this year. He goes on six game early on. Vontae Diggs comes in, plays outstanding, and now we're looking at uh, Santos Knox. Who knows when he's going to get back into the lineup? So I thought I think he's my Western nominee. There's two guys for the Montreal Alouettes I could go to here. Um, oh, our frog's back. That's hopping right toward us. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> this has been the most sidetracked episode we've ever done. Like, like I was giving my most outstanding Canadian nominee, and Michael literally got up to chase the frog around the studio. And it worked. Well, perfect. Anyways, um, my Eastern nominee, I think I have to go with a defensive back for the Montreal Alouettes and go with Greg Reed. He's got a couple interceptions on the year. Montreal's defense has been really good. And I've been really impressed by this guy, a rookie defensive back, as far as I'm aware. Um... If not, boy, I might just go and edit this whole section of the podcast uh, if I get this all wrong. But uh, I'm pretty sure Greg Reed is a CFL rookie, and uh, he has been having himself a very fine season uh, as a staple on that Montreal defense. We have a very froggy situation, Ryan. Oh, goodness. Anyways, um, let's get to the personnel side a little bit. Uh, The... Coach of the Year nominees, who do you have from East and West? Coach of the Year for the last uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber coach, Michael Shea, and out East, uh, interim head coach, Kahari Jones of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, I have the same. You know, Mike O'Shea has gotten the Bombers to what now, a 7-2 and two start to the season? Uh, or is it 8-2 and two at this point? 8-2. Uh, 8-2 and, two. Eight and two start to the season. Uh, can't ask for much better than that. Uh, meanwhile, Kahari Jones, after being put in as a uh, head coach literally the week before the season starts, has his team up to five and four, sitting pretty at second in the East Division. And I will say, I think Jones could lead this team to finish first place in the East the way things are going. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been given the standings. First place might be a little out of reach. I'm not sure about the, the, <laughs> the head games remaining, but. You know, for sure, in a one-game off, I would uh, favor the Montreal Watch for sure. Um, and then general manager of the year, who's your nominees as of right now? For the West, it would be uh, Jeremy Alday. This is Saskatchewan Rough Rider, just doing a path, but I don't think I had his team anywhere near where they are right now. 
and the uh, Hamilton management team out east because I can't seem to recall who their GM is. Yeah, well, it was Eric Tillman, and then he stepped away from the team, so now I think it is a uh, is done by committee out in Hamilton. So uh, I will agree with you on that one just because, well, things aren't going well for Toronto. Uh, Marcel Desjardins decided that it was uh, fine to go and let Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, and all of those guys walk in the offseason. Um, Toronto, like I said, is struggling. Montreal's doing good, but I can't for the life of me go and give uh, GM of the year to Cavus Reed, who gets fired partway through the season, and Joe Mack hasn't actually done anything since then. So I'll give it to Hamilton guys out east as well. Uh, out west, I'm going to give GM of the year to uh, Brock Sunderland and Edmonton. Uh, to me, Sunderland, you know, lost Mike Riley in the offseason, but did everything he possibly could to go in or replace him. I mean, bringing in Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, Ricky Collins, possibly the most underrated signing this offseason. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just can't, uh, I, I can't help but give it to Brock Sunderland that uh, he, uh, the way he's brought things in uh, to replace the pieces he lost, he improved that defense. That Edmonton defense is the best in the CFL. So uh, to me, the Eskimos, uh, Brock Sunderland is my Western nominee. Honorary mention to Jeremy O'Day, as Mike already gave it. So, those are all the CFL awards. Let's get into, very briefly, talking about some of our other nominees. Um, for some of the other things I wanted to talk about here, Mike, we'll just give your winner for each of these. You don't need an East, you don't need a Western nominee. Uh, let's start with Breakout Player of the Year Award. Breakout Player of the Year Trevor Harris, she's doing a bad, but he's a new team, uh, new offense. He's familiar with his offensive coordinator from Ottawa, but uh, I didn't certainly envision having him, him having, sorry, the season that he's having. To me, uh, there is one very clear option here, and that's Cody Fajardo in Saskatchewan. You know, this guy was brought in as a backup to be behind Zach Caleros, like, None of us expected what we've seen Cody Fajardo to. The Riders have five straight wins now. Fajardo has cemented himself as the starter so much that his backup, or so much that the previous starter got traded to Toronto, and uh, Fajardo is looking like a mainstay there in Saskatchewan and somebody that the uh, Riders fan base really believes in. And why not? He's done outstanding things. Yeah, you know, he was setting on my list uh, uh, for sure. Um, let's look at our, uh, other... You know, uh, can I give an honorable mention to Nick Arbuckle? Sure. I mean, he, to me, might be Calgary's MLP takeaway Trey Roberson right now, but, you know, Calgary has a lot of, a few holes defensively, and the receiving core has been on, a little on the inconsistent side, but you can't argue that, uh, Nick Arbuckle hasn't given them the best chance to win. Uh, let's talk best off-season addition. A lot of players changed places in the off-season. Uh, which off, which addition do you think was the most crucial that any team made? Um, to me, this isn't even a contest. Willie Jefferson, Winnipeg. Fair enough. I mean, okay, if it's not for Willie Jefferson last week, the Bombers probably lose by 10. And now but with the receiver and the quarterback out, for the next little while, two games anyway, 
You know, the Bombers didn't need the defense to win them a couple of games. I'm going to go for my pick for this one. I'm going to go to Edmonton, and there's a couple of places I could go there, right? Like Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, DeVaris Daniels, who put up 200 yards this week. But I got to go with the guy that none of us saw coming, and he could have been my Breakout Player of the Year award nominee as well. That's Ricky Collins Jr. He leads the league in receiving yards with over 700 yards already this season. Like, we we thought Edmonton was going to bring him in as a depth receiver. He's leading the way in the entire league. Like, you can't tell me they gave him a hefty contract based on what we've seen. So He would be my nominee for comeback player of the year for sure. Uh, which is also one of the categories we want to talk about. So I guess you just gave yep. yours would be Ricky Collins there for comeback player of the year. Uh, where do I want to go for this one? I didn't think John about White, BC. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That that is a good option there with John. You know, White. Uh, the guy, but uh, I'm just thinking from a standpoint. But you know, the guy suffered significant injuries uh, to be able to bounce back as much as he has. Uh, it's a testament to him. I like it. I'm going to go with John White based on your suggestion there. Um, opposite of biggest offs or best offseason addition, who's been the biggest letdown of the 2019 CFL season? I'm going to give this to a group of people because I can't single one person out. The BC Lions offensive line. I mean, if you would have told me that BC would be 1-8 and eight through 9 games and that offensive line would be a problem, Given the fact that they got uh, Percol, they got Chun, they got, you know, these are good offensive linemen. And, and they can't seem to keep Mike Riley upright. It is baffling. And, and the worst part about it is they don't even play a full game. It's like they try for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, it's like they forget the block that Riley did sacked another three times. Yeah, I was going to go on BC offensive line, but I'll spare BC fans here a little bit. There's a couple places I could go here. Let's talk about all the premier veteran receivers who all of a sudden are not involved in their teams at all. I'm talking Luke Tasker. I'm talking Brad Sinopoli. SJ Green, well, he's gotten a little more involved. It helps that McLeod Bethel-Thompson throws all day and all night. Um, But, I mean, hey, I have Brad Sinopoli and Luke Tasker on my fantasy team, and they did uh, pretty much nothing for me so far this season. So these are guys, too, I mean... To to some extent, they just also haven't had the ball thrown their way. I know Tasker's been out of the lineup, but uh, these are two premier receivers you expect to lead their team that are doing far from that right now. The other thing to me, if I could just touch on this real quick, was how physically defeated Mike Riley was in the fourth quarter. And Do you blame him? I He's mean, been sacked 45. Five times or something stupid like that. I know you probably didn't see this game, Ryan. No, I was out at the cabin. But I would encourage you to watch the back half of the fourth quarter when Mike Riley was on offense. Some of the stuff that was coming through his live mic, his voice, his breath. His... Didn't they turn off his mic at one no, point? No, it was on the whole game. And you could just see how defeated he was. Maybe it was early in the set, early in the second half, but he just looked done. And you could hear, physically hear, every hit that he was taking, and it just made me cringe. Now, I don't mind the CFL's live mic thing, but I don't know if I need to guy, hear a guy panting for 60 minutes while he's running for his life, right? Like, you know Riley doesn't have time to go and talk in there because he's busy running for his life. 
I mean, even like when he was calling the plays, right? He was so exhausted. His voice was like, I, I don't know if they edited this out. I don't think they did. But he was just like trying to catch his breath while calling the plays. And I, I think he said to the effect of, you guys don't understand how much these hits hurt. I thought I heard something like that either late in the first half or early in the second half. And to me, to me, I, I would seriously look at benching Mike Riley. I know, I know that you paid him all this money. Just to protect him for And he's not going to go there, but it's kind of like what Ottawa said, right? If you do the same old thing and you expect a different result, you kind of get, kind of get, you know, it doesn't really work, right? Um, I was just thinking uh, back again for my uh, comeback player of the year award. You were suggesting John White. I'm actually going to go to the kicker in BC and go Sergio Castillo. This is a guy that's been around a couple different places since uh, he had that injury in Winnipeg that kind of ended his time here. Well, behind Lewis Ward, who's only missed once, he's sitting with the second best percentage uh, in the CFL when it comes to kickers. So props to Sergio Castillo. I love seeing him hit the field goals because I think he got a rough shake with that injury here in Winnipeg because, of course, after he got that, that's when uh, Justin Medlock was brought in. So uh, to me, Castillo was uh, definitely a solid comeback player. I uh, love to see him succeeding out there in BC. By the way, I have just tweeted out a picture of this fraud on my personal Twitter account uh, for everybody to see. Just going to update this fraud has safely been removed outside. And uh, no animals were harmed. Perfect. No ar- animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Uh, final award I want to talk about here is the Ageless Wonder. Um, we talk about Rookie of the Year, you know, young guys that have performed well, uh, that we see a lot of potential in in the future. Uh, we've kind of talked about, I think, the, where we're going to go with these, but who would you say gets your honorable Ageless Wonder Award so far for the 2019 season? For me, it has to be that anchor on Montreal defensive line, who definitely doesn't want to go home with all the legit chance of the Dre Cup. And boy, am I happy he didn't get one, John Bowman. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I that was that was who I was thinking too. But I, you know, I'm gonna go Charleston Hughes, right? You 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 named him your Defensive Player of the Year nominee. At the age of 35, he's not slowing down. He led the league in sacks last year, I believe. He's leading the league in sacks again this year. Uh, Charleston Hughes is an ageless wonder. So is John Bowman. Um, both of those guys are fun to watch, and we hope they keep giving us a couple more years here, although well, that will remain to be seen. Um, do you have a game of the year through the first 9, 10, I guess 11 weeks? Can I have two of them? Sure. Uh, yesterday's touchdown Atlanta game. Literally down to the goal line, and... Uh, Toronto had the ball drop in the end zone. They, they had that game won. And they dropped the touchdown on the last play of the game. And then that Montreal comeback win in Calgary uh, last week. Uh, those, those would be my two favorites for sure right now. Yeah, I was going to go that Montreal-Calgary game. But uh, talk a little because we, we did say we were going to talk about it before. So it was a couple minutes. Talk about what was so great about the touchdown Atlantic game. Again, I was at the cabin, so I only got to get score updates on this game. And I came home late last night, so I haven't actually had the chance to watch it. 
what what made this game so good? Well, Toronto seemingly wanted to pull away from this one, and rightfully should have pulled away from it, and and had a turnover that uh, kind of changed the game a little bit and allowed Montreal back into it. I believe the score at one point was 16 nothing or so, or something like that, 50, 15 or 16 nothing uh, in favor of Toronto, and it just looked like Montreal had nothing. Uh, Vernon Adams was very average. Uh, Montreal couldn't figure out who their running back was, if it was Jeremiah Johnson or William Stanback. Uh, Stanback didn't even get a carry until the uh, second half. I, I, I... Yeah, that puzzled me a little, but I, 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 I assume it's them trying to ease him back into the lineup, given that, and you know, I, I honestly think that Montreal has found something with this dual bat system. They should do it more often. Both running backs looked rather fresh when it came down to the fourth quarter. And quite honestly, that's what helped them make the comeback. And then, of course, Vernon Adams said, okay, enough of this. Uh, they got that touchdown right at the end of the, end of the half. I uh, made it 16 sits, I think, at the halftime. Uh, and was kind of smooth sailing uh, from there. They got another uh, touchdown on the first drive of the second half in the opening minute, 16-13, and then that kind of set the deer in motion for a great combat. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I mean, you can't really argue what he's done, especially in the game. I mean, I know, you know, we often crap on him, you know, being more consistent, and I don't know, there might be something there, but Again, McLeod Bethel Thompson, I think, needs to learn to be a little bit more consistent, not not this, you know, good game, bad game, good game, bad game. If he can kind of string games together like last night, it, it, it's it's gonna come together for him. And all of a sudden, uh, the quarterback depth chart and shading apples from the tree as far as who the quarterback is gonna be might be a little bit more settled. Can I just for a second give a shout out to McLeod Bethel Thompson because his job was gone for all intents and purposes. Yep. They bring in Zach Caleros. Um he goes and leads that comeback win over the Bombers. Uh large speculation that, you know, if if he plays bad that game, he's not the starter coming out of the bye week. He pulls off the win against the Bombers. Uh, they have not won another game, but he has looked good. He threw for 450-something yards or whatever this game. Uh, he's third in the CFL in passing yards on the season, barely behind Mike Riley. Trevor Harris is by and far away ahead of everybody. He's tied with Trevor Harris for four, with 14 touchdowns on the year. He has not thrown a lot of picks in recent weeks. Um, actually three straight games, including that win over Winnipeg with no interception. Yeah, I like McLeod Bethel Thompson right now. And, uh, you know, the Argos came so close this week to winning that game, but fell just short. But I, I think he's doing some good things and he's playing for his job right now and he's cemented it. I'm, I'm telling you, if, if the Argos want to get some pieces for the future, Maybe, maybe James Franklin's expendable now because you've got McLeod Bethel-Thompson proving the last couple weeks that, hey, I want to be the starter here. And he, he's throwing a lot of yards. He's uh, not throwing any turnovers right now. Uh, I'm going to pump the brakes on that just for a little bit. I agree with everything you said about McLeod Bethel-Thompson, but quite honestly, you lost me. You lost me a little bit when you said James Franklin is expendable. <laughs> To, to me, the issue becomes, I don't think James Franklin 
has a value that a lot of people would be considered. Like, to be honest with you, I don't think Franklin is going to fetch you very much in return for a trade at this point in time. Well, well Ottawa doesn't have a quarterback. Well, again. Tom but, Day, I'll, I'll say this. After this week, three straight interceptions and his night was done. I think Dom Davis's time as a starter is likely finished. Absolutely, but I think they got a guy behind him that showed that he could run an offense, and that's Jonathan Jennings. Well, we've, we we haven't exactly seen him run an offense very much in the last couple of well, years. Well, but here's the thing. Who do you like more at this point, James Franklin in his time with Toronto or Jonathan Jennings in his time with Ottawa? Well, take Edmonton and take BC out of the situation and just let that the last year and a half. Well, I mean, Jennings has played two games in Ottawa. And he struggled with where he was before, whereas Franklin... James Franklin hasn't looked good in half a season. I, I don't know. For me, for me, the only quarterback of value that the Ardens maybe have right now is McCall Bethel Thompson. Fair enough. A debate we but, can... But, but again, I, I I just don't know if you if you go and install a quarterback for the back half of the year when, you know, quite honestly, you still have a chance at a playoff spot, especially if you win that game yesterday. Uh, Mike, let's move on and wrap this up with CFL Fantasy, CFL Pick'em, all that fun stuff. Uh, Fantasy, who did I squeak by this week over Travis Curra from the Two and Out CFL podcast? A one, As I said, a walk-off field goal. A 1.9 point victory. Um, I was ahead by 10 uh, when I checked with a minute left. And, of course, he had Brandon Burks who got the long play there. And I refreshed and ahead by 1.9. Boy, was I scared as I was refreshing that game with the little bit of internet I had to try to see the scores. But I do pull off the win and prove to 7-4, and four, still setting, sitting second place in the league. And this week I face Sheldon from Horseman Radio, who has been picking up steam as the season has gone on into the second half here. So should be a very tough matchup. He puts up a lot of points every single week, and I'm looking forward to a hard-fought, hopefully win this week. Uh, Mike, I have compiled the scores from the past week, finally, in our fantasy challenge. I can actually say this this time because you don't know the score ahead of time. Would you like to know how you did this week? Sure. I honestly have not added up. Um, But I would be... I'm going to go ahead and make this prediction, but you just outlasted me by a little bit this week. So you finished the week with 151.14 points. Uh, Cody Fajardo had a big week. Justin Medlocks did. Trevor Harris, William Powell. Um, myself, I did a little more than just outlast you, bud. 211.3 points. Beat I, you by about 60 this week. Well, that's not really a surprise. I had a quarterback that was injured. I had a Saskatchewan offense but didn't do overly much in the second half. Oh, and uh, I had Willie Jefferson. So... <laughs> 40-point week from Mr. Jefferson, 23.8 from Vernon Adams, uh, leading the way for me there. Sean White kicked seven field goals. Charleston Hughes had another dominant week. Uh, Chris Strebler got a lot of rushing yards. Um, Yeah, big week for me, so that puts me a little bit further ahead again after you were catching up, which means trades, if you would like to make any uh, this week, you get the floor to do so now. Yes, I am going to make two trades. I'm going to release Taylor Loeffler. I'm going to add. Now, you have to correct me if I'm wrong. Did you take your Derek Davis? You did. You have him on your oh, roster. I, ha- I have right? my team. Okay. Yeah. So then I'm going to take Dylan Wynn. Okay. Uh, of Hamilton. And I'm going to release John Crockett. 
because he appeared to have suffered a significant injury, and I need some running back help, given the fact that I have a running back that's on uh, suspension for this two weeks. Week. And I'm going to add, and this is a bit of a rest on my part, from the Montreal Alouettes, Jeremiah Johnson. Okay. Banking on the split. I was also considering Brandon Burtz, but I'm not sure if Burtz didn't get enough carries. So it's kind of a pick your poison now. Okay, for me, for my two trades, um, it looks like Luke Tasker didn't play again this week. So uh, I am going to be dropping Luke Tasker. Uh, I'm getting rid of all these receivers that aren't doing anything for me. And after a 200-yard performance, he falls right into my lap. And I will trade Luke Tasker for Devaris Daniels of the Edmonton Eskimos. That was a move I was considering if I had my third one, but I didn't want to part with my trio of rider, uh, my trio of rider receivers. So I think we're gonna light it up this week against one of eight. And for my second move, um, you know what? Let's make this interesting. I'm gonna put the bold claim I just made on the line here. I am dropping quarterback Mike Riley. Wow. And picking up McLeod Bethel Thompson. Ooh. He has put up in the last two, three weeks, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Well, six even games he... on the year over 300 yards. Mike Riley has been sacked over and over and over again, and the offense can't get you it. Know, even if I was to pick up Mike Riley, he would not buy this week. So I have about a three week window if I decide. Yep. Interesting. Uh, yep, that's the Considering bold Considering your first pick of the draft. My is... first two picks of the entire draft are gone now. Jeremiah Mazzoli, Mike Riley. I don't know if that was smart, but hey, it makes for good content. Uh, let's get into CFL Pick'em. You went 3-1 and one this past week. Myself, 4-0. I just made a huge mistake. I fit the running bet for what I'm by this week, so I defeated my own purpose. Well. <laughs> that's okay. Would you like to change it? Well, yes and no. It's your call. It's up to you. Well, I'm are, are you going to let me change it? Yeah. Okay, so I'll take Brandon Burtz. Instead of Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, just for now. Did I forgot Montreal on a buy this week and I need some points from somewhere. All right. Uh, getting into CFL Pick'em. So like I said, 4-0 week, 3-1 week. Solid week for both of us. Let's see how we do this week. Um, three games on deck only, uh, for Labor Day weekend. All of them are good, though. Yes. All of them should be great matchups. And it starts Sunday in Regina, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. Uh, no Matt Nichols, no Andrew Harris for a team that's only won once on Labor Day in the last 14 years. Things are not looking good for the Bombers. I have picked Winnipeg to win every single week this season. I'm not doing it, man. I'm just not this week. Uh, no Andrew Harris. Chris Trevler's got to throw for more than 89 yards if they're going to win this game, which I presume he will, but I am taking the Riders to win. I'm taking the Riders by the last second field goal, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Bombers won. You said you were taking the Bombers by seven when we talked earlier today. What's changed? Just my, my thought process with it. You know, it's no guarantee that Johnny Augustine is going to be the starting running back. I think he will be, but they might might also give a look to John Santiago, who's on the practice roster. But, uh, no, I just don't like the chances, and it's as simple as the history on Labor Day. 
Another team that doesn't have a great history, I feel like, on Labor Day, the Argos in Hamilton. Hamilton hosting Toronto. Where do you where are you going there? My upset special this week, I'm going the Argos on the road. Oh wow. I was going to do that. Just because James might just because uh Dane Evans hasn't exactly proven to me that uh he's willing to throw for two hundred and fifty yards in a couple touchdowns, which I beat he didn't need and McCall Bethel Thompson is playing with this gunslinger mentality that will get the Ardolds, I think, a shot to win, if not win the game. You know, I was going to pick Toronto, but then you did, so now I feel oh, like... come on. I mean, I could, and then we'll I'm both... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I could, and then we'll both be wrong, because, you know, I'm, I hy- get hyped up on these Argos, Mike, and I, I every time I take them, they disappoint me. But so. here's the pain, Labor Day, you just never know what's going to happen. I'm taking Hamilton. I don't want to. I want to take the Argos, but every time I do it, well, it goes terrible. I want to wrong. take the Bombers, so, but, yeah. Now I'm taking Hamilton to win at home. Taking the Ticats. Okay. Hoping Toronto wins, but okay. taking the Ticats. And to round it out, the true battle of Alberta. We had the fake battle of Alberta this week between Winnipeg and Edmonton. Uh, but now we have the fake, or sorry, now we have the real battle of Alberta. Edmonton in Calgary to face the Stampeders. If the Stamps win this week, they win the season series over Edmonton because they won one matchup already. Which basically made next week's matchup irrelevant as far as, well, relevant as far as the teams are tied, but tiebreaker. Uh, Where are you going with this I'm one? going with Calgary by a touchdown. I'm going with Stampeders as well. Granted, the Eskimos can at least score touchdowns against teams not named the Bombers. Uh, well, I should say Tavon Smith did get the... Uh, did get the long one, but uh, a lot of problems with penalties there in Edmonton right now. So I, I like Calgary coming off the bye. Calgary's always dangerous at home. And then Labor Day batted the stupid Eskimo penalty in the fourth quarter. All right. That's it for this week's episode of the podcast. Check out the Canadian Football Podcast Network, cfpodnetwork.ca, at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. Check us, us out on Twitter, at cfc on Mike FM. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, review, rate on all the podcast platforms, and uh, come check out the podcast again next week as we talk more CFL after Labor Day and heading into the Banjo Bowl. Uh, for Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening, have a wonderful day, and enjoy Labor Day weekend. <laughs>